podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Hey, Dolphins, this is Michael Fink with the uh, FinFans Podcast. Each week we come to you and bring you our opinions on what's going on within the Dolphins organization. During the season, you'll hear two shows each week where we review and preview each game. We shoot straight from the hip and have fun in doing so. We'd like to thank both the Dolphins Talk Network and the Pigskin Podcast Network for their support. Uh, Make sure to check them out. Please leave us a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you may listen to your podcasts. Please make sure to follow the show. That way you'll know when a new one comes out. It's truly appreciated. All right, let's uh, kick off today's show. And we're here for yet another podcast. With me, I've got Louis Argoni. Hello, doll fans. And we have a special guest with us uh, this afternoon. It's uh, Daniel Wilcox, formerly of the Ravens. Say hello, Daniel. Hey, guys. How you guys doing? Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's Thanks pleasure. for offering your time. Oh, it's my pleasure. Absolutely my pleasure. So I've got a, a couple of questions, Daniel. Um, I know you played under uh, Cam Cameron uh Back in the uh, late two th- two thousand years, there what, was it two thousand eight. Yes, sir. And uh, we had him the year before as our coach, and it, that did not work out very well for us. <laughs> <laughs> How is he as an offensive coordinator? Um, as an offensive coordinator, I thought it was pretty good. You know, he, he was, was just co- he was just coming off the head coach here at Miami with you guys, right? Yeah. And um, you know, he got fired down there, so I think. I think he had to kind of take a chill pill and a little bit of humble pie and all that type of stuff. Anytime you get fired, it can make you kind of reevaluate some things that you're doing. Sure. Um, so he came into into Baltimore with a very aggressive attitude, man, and a, and a very aggressive mindset. And he knew that we was already a special team. And um, he knew if he came in and, and was able to help get the offense on track because Ravens offense had never really been like the thing that kind of made the Ravens right, go. Right, you're a defensive team. Right, right. So, you know, we're the number one, number two defense in the league every year, and all you need to do is score 21 points to win. It kind of put Cam Cameron in, in like a in probably one of the best situations he could be in as an OC. Agreed. Yeah. Now, back in 03, you were fortunate enough to win a Super Bowl with Tampa. Yes, sir. So my question to you is, what stands out to you about that experience besides the obvious joy of winning? What stands out about that experience besides the obvious joy of winning? I think what I remember most about that situation, I was coming from a Jets team that year that sucked, you know, and we was in a, <laughs> we, we didn't make it to the, we weren't going to make it to the playoffs. We just right. played like crap. Had a bunch of Hall of Fame guys on that team. And um, when I got to Tampa, you know, I had just came from a really great defense up in New York with, the, you know, Mo Lewis and, you know, Sam Coward and uh-huh. Martin Jones, all those guys. Then I mm-hmm. went down to Tampa. Now I got Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks, Simeon Rice, um, John Lynch, you know, all those guys. And at the time when you're playing, you don't realize these guys are going to be first ballot Hall of Fame. Of course. You know, but you know these dudes are different. They freaking studs, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember getting to that team, and I just remember, like, there was this, there was this energy about them that just couldn't be stopped. It's like uh, – it's like a really pretty woman that walk in a room and everybody knows she's gorgeous. And the music stops and, you know, the song stops and the record says, Skrr! 
work at a DJ. Everybody looks at her and she's just breathtaking. Everybody knows she's bad. You know, that's kind of what we were in Tampa. I mean, just we, we walked onto a field and we just felt like we was the prettiest freaking girl in the world. And, <laughs> and, and everybody knew we was bad. You know, that's that, got to be a great feeling as a player. It was, man. It really was. It's like you knew you knew every single time the defense got on the field, they was going to do something special. You know, that's how I felt in Baltimore for like the, the five years I was there as well. We just felt like we had a defense that was just so unbelievable. Ray and Ed and Suggs and all those guys that you just kind of knew every time they stepped on the field, something magical could happen at any moment. And um, no matter who we faced down in Tampa that year in, in, um, in 2002, 2003, uh, I felt like the, who was going to beat us? Like defense could score 21 points at, at any given moment. You know, so it's, the offense just had to do their best just not to turn the ball over. And um, Gruden was the head coach at the time. I just I felt like he was like the worst coach in the world. But he was just so, so sharp, just super smart. You could tell he was a, a genius. You could tell he was different, you know, like yeah. the, way he, the way he called plays. One of the things I learned from Gruden was that he would he knew how to put his best player on your worst player every single play. And I had and, and to that point, I had never seen a, a, a coach do that. All right, how can I get my superstar on your worst guy right. every play and take advantage of him? No matter what you do, he was going to find a way to get Keyshawn Johnson the ball or Keenan McCardell or Joe Jerry Vicious the ball, you know, and there was nothing you can do about it. Nothing. Yeah, you had, I um, mean, you, you talked about the defensive players on the offense. I mean, you mentioned Keyshawn and, um, you know, McCardell, uh, Allstott. I mean, Michael Pittman, I mean, you guys were just absolutely loaded, even on the offensive side. I mean, center Jeff Christie was a great player. Mm-hmm. Um, just just great guys. Dilger was actually pretty pretty solid tight end as well. You know, he came over from Indianapolis. I remember him mm-hmm. uh, more so with the Colts. Um, but, um, yeah, you guys just – I mean, that team was just incredible. I mean, they really were. They had a lot, a lot of excellent football players on that team. It really was, man. Um, I mean, the offensive side of the ball was loaded. You know, I think Brad Johnson did a phenomenal job of just being a clock manager. He'd never had to win a game in Tampa. You know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> he, he just had to, st- he had to just prevent from losing it, you know. Right. And I just thought he did such a phenomenal job, man. You know, it was my first time being in the West Coast offense, the most complicated offense you could ever possibly learn in your life. Gruden right. offense had absolutely no rules. And every, every, every rule he had, the next play contradicted that rule. You, you know, <laughs> that's so great. Yeah, yeah. So you would learn to play, learn all the rules, learn all the science to the offense. You say, "I got it." And then the next play, he called. He called everything you just learned was out the windows. It was just so confusing. <laughs> you you had to memor- You had to literally memorize the entire offense. Uh huh. You know. So yep. it, was, it was it was a it was a very unique time of my life, and it was an opportunity I think that I would never ever forget. And it was such a magical moment, man. Um. You know, just just playing those playoff games that year, no matter where we went. I think every playoff game was on the road mm-hmm. and, and um, everywhere we went, you know, we was going in as the underdog and we found a way to just scrape and kill people week in and week out. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You're still I'm- close with the guys you played with? Some of them, man, like you football is one of those things where you're in a fraternity and it's, it's not like, you know, you're going through that that torture every single week. You know, you go through hell week trying to join a fraternity, right? So football is like a natural frat that you're a part of. If I see any of those guys, we pick up like we never left off. Right. Mm-hmm. But we never pick up the phone to call each other and just kind of check up on each other. You know, it's one or two guys that I still communicate from Tampa Bay. That's probably five or six, maybe 10 guys I still communicate with from um 
from Baltimore and maybe one or two guys I communicate with from the Jets. You know, it's really weird, man. But um, if I was to bump into them anywhere, you know, we dapping each other up, hugging each other, man, asking how's the wife, asking how's the kids, what are you doing now, et cetera. So we follow each other on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. But well, there you go. Yeah. We, just, we just don't communicate the way the way I think a real frat should, man. Yeah. But um, I still communicate with a lot of those guys. And if I see them, you know, it's always love. And, you know, Sap invited us all back for his – um his Hall of Fame induction and cool. you nice. know, so all the players got a chance to kind of come back and get reunited. And then when we have the Super Bowl reunion, you know, that's always a plus, you know, so, mm-hmm. um, you know, hopefully they'll be having another one of those in the next year, you know, cause it's right around that time right now. Right. right. Yeah. Yep. So, um, if we get a chance to do that next year, I think it will be a phenomenal opportunity for us to kind of be reunited again. Absolutely. Enjoy the moments, you know, they go fast. They do, man. They do. And I try to express that to my kid. I got a 17-year-old now, and I tell him all the time, one of the things that I really regret is I didn't sit back and smell the roses. You know, like you you don't you don't really get a chance to enjoy those moments when you're in those moments. Yep. You, you know, you, you celebrate them. You, you go out, you party, you do the things that you do to make those moments memorable, but you didn't really grasp, like, the magnitude of the moment sure. that you was in at the time, you know. Yeah, you won a Super Bowl. Yeah, something you always wanted to do. Yeah, it was magical. The confetti was stupid crazy. <laughs> um, and, I mean, you, but you don't you, – you never think that this is the last time I'm going to be here. Like, I'm not going to – you know, you feel like this is – it happened my second year in the league. Like, I'm thinking I'm coming back, and I, I can't wait till it's my turn to really be on the field and just wreak havoc on the other side of the ball. Right, you know, so I mean, it's just it's one of those things, man, that you 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 love it, you enjoy it while it's there, but you kind of take it for granted a little bit because you. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I, mean, I know, you know, with us, Dan Marino had had the same thing. You know, he yeah. they he made it in his second year. Yeah. So they they lost and it didn't really bother him maybe as much as it should have because they felt like they'd be able to get back. Yeah, and you always feel like you're that guy, Mike. You know, you really do. I mean, uh, coming out of college at, from App State, you know, we had just lost, to, I think, Montana in the semifinal round one game before the national championship. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was a huge part of the reason why. You know, so when you get to New York, I can remember sitting down in New York with the Jets and Herman Edwards kind of having a conversation with the entire team. And Herman Edwards looking at, look at us and all, all right, we're south, we make the team. He told everybody, if you ever been to the um, – playoffs raise your hand and it's the whole team it's like all 68 of us in there and um i'd say probably 15 guys raised their hand and then he said if anybody ever been to the super bowl in here raise your hand then like three guys get up and raise their hand uh-huh. and then he's like anybody ever win a super bowl and nobody went <laughs> nobody raises their <laughs> hand and this is year one for me as a rookie right and, you know in my mind I, I just came in with santana moss you know, I'm I'm thinking like, yeah, we we here now, so we going to the playoffs. We going to the Super Bowl. We went to the we went to the playoffs that year, mm-hmm. you know. But we we got put out the first round against Oakland, and um, and you know, you feel like you're that guy. Like I'm the mm-hmm. reason why we're going to be going to the Super Bowl. So you kind of have that in the back of your mind. You sure. feel like you're invincible. You feel like you're Superman, and then that's that never happens again. Like it's so it's, it blows your mind. Mm-hmm. Was that Testaverde or Pennington that was quarterback on that team? I'm going to tell you right now, I had both of them. But that year, no, Chad was there. He was there a year before I got there. And then okay. Vinny was still the, and he, Vinny was still holding the reins. But got Chad it. came in that second year I was there. So, yep. mm-hmm. you know, and then I, and he ended up going to Miami after that second year. Yeah, he was great for us down here the one season we had him. I mean, we he brought us to the playoffs for the first time. Oh, we, and, we had him the next year, but he broke down. And then the next year yeah. he got hurt yeah. early in the season. But, um, Mike, go ahead. You want to talk about uh, the upcoming game and stuff, right? Of course. You got, all right, let's talk about it. Um, 
you know, I had a couple questions for you, Daniel. Um, your thoughts on the Miami football team first, then we'll talk about Baltimore. Um, you know, what is your opinion of this football team? The Miami football team? Yes, the Dolphins. Yep. Well, well Lewis, I, when I look at Miami, like I had to go back to watch the Ravens game last year to kind of see what happened because I felt like Miami beat up on Baltimore last year a little bit. Mm -hmm. And what I noticed from watching the film and watching the tape was that you can tell that Miami came in with a different mindset. Right. Like they, they came in, it was almost like a Pittsburgh-type mentality. Like, they knew they had a heavyweight fight with us. Mm -hmm. But I think I think the Ravens kind of took them lightly, you know, going mm -hmm. into that game. I don't think they realized that Miami was going to come in and be so physical in, from, from the first snap to the last snap. Right. And that's what it looked like to me. It looked like Miami just beat up on Baltimore. And that's hard to say. Nobody beats up on Baltimore. Right. You know, so it's like everybody that plays us know they got to bring their A game, but you can tell that, you know, the Dolphins actually game plan to really be physical on our receivers, on our tight ends, on our running backs, on, on our quarterback. Like every single ball Lamar threw, somebody was in his face. Everything mm -hmm. was contested. They played a lot of man to man on the outside. So they locked up with our receivers and they tried to make every throw a tight throw, a tough throw for Lamar. And Lamar to me is probably one of the most magical quarterbacks and probably one of the most accurate ones as well. And I think they realized that throughout that game. His accuracy has really improved. Yeah, man. And I, I think, you know, throughout that game, you saw him make throws that you was like, holy crap. Like, how did he get that off? How did he make that? You know, sidearm, underhand, overhand, any kind of way he can throw it. He, he made it happen, you know, but he that was probably one of the toughest games, I think, for Lamar Jackson last year. I think they, they put him on his back and they hit him. They took a couple of um, personal fouls, you know, roughing the quarterback penalties. And you can tell that was a part of their game plan. You right. know, watching that film, he was like, oh, they, they said they was going to take two or three. We're going to take two or three personal fouls against Lamar today. Hit him. Every opportunity you get to him, you get close. If there's any doubt in your mind, hit him. We'll take the penalty. Mm -hmm. You know, they, and they tuck those penalties. And, and that I think that's what set the tone for the game for them. You right. know, every time the receivers got the ball, they was they was jacking them up at the line of scrimmage. They hands on they were hands on them all the way down the field. When they caught the ball, they hit them. One guy hit them, two guy hit them, three guy hit them, and they was trying to strip the ball from them. And I think that defense just showed up. The defense set the tone for the entire game. And they got a couple of turnovers, you know, script, script, calls, fumbles. You know, stuff like that. I think Hollywood had one. Duvernay had one later in the game. And um, they just played they just played great football. They play football the way football is supposed to be played when you play the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. I think Miami is a really freaking good football team. I, th I hate the fact that Brian Flores didn't get the opportunity to continue to work with those guys because he built the team that they are right now. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. That defense was put together by him. All of these guys, yeah. all the players that he put together – that that's our defense right now. I right. mean, they they had very very little additions in the off season because they didn't feel a need. The NFL's opening week was action packed, and it's just getting started. Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner in the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just five dollars on any football game and get two hundred dollars in free bets instantly. Want more action? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner in the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. 
Lately, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, and uh, it's been great. One reason it's been great to listen to, because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. Uh, With optimized gel tips so they're perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable and they will not budge, trust me. Raycons give you 8 hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. They're priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder uh, Raycon's everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. Think about that. 50,000. That's a lot of five-star reviews, people. They got options with them. You've got three customizable sound profiles. You've got uh, earbud tap functions. You've got noise isolation. And you've also got awareness mode. So if if you need to hear, you'll be able to. Uh, so, you know, these, these are pretty cool earbuds. Uh, they're comfortable. They, they've got those options that I told you about, and uh, you can't go wrong with them. So go to buyraycon.com today and use code TPPN15 to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's code TPPN15 at buyraycon.com to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com, code TPPN15. You know, on the opposite side of the football, tell me what your thoughts are on Tua and and the offense as a whole, because they they did get some guys um, in the off season through free agency, and um, you know they they were they were brought in to help Tua. So, what are your thoughts on him, and then and then the offense thereafter? I you know, Lewis, I, I really think Tua is a is a is a gifted player. You know, I really do. I think mm-hmm. he's a, a really gifted player coming out of Alabama. And I thought he was gonna be special right away. I right. think he got thrown into the fire way too quick. You know, I think it was a confidence issue like the first couple of years where he kinda lost confidence a little bit because of the O line was kinda suspect. Yep. And he took a lot of hits and stuff that he probably shouldn't have had to take early on. Right. And it put him in situations where I think he lost a little bit of confidence. I think he's regaining that now. The addition of Tyreek Hill was was genius, you know, bringing him in. I think that was a very strong, powerful move. Never right. saw that coming at all. But once no, they got none him of us in did. there, yep. yeah, and once they got a guy like him in there, and he needed those type of players, you know, he already had one with Waddle, but you know, he I thought he had one with Albert, you know, Albert Wilson as well. But you know, when you when you see so those type of, <laughs> yeah, when you see those type of receivers. You know, those are the type of receivers you can get the ball to them quick and they will get you another five or 10 or 15 right. just off, off uh, making somebody miss or advancing with speed or whatever it may be. And that puts him in a situation where he gets a chance to be great. I think you put the right pieces around him. You've surrounded him very well with talent. And um, even the running back situation is good in Miami. I, I think they got a chance to be a really strong team and a, and a contender this year. if They continue to play well mm-hmm. and, stay, and stay healthy, of course. Yeah, I mean, go ahead, Mike. You had something? Well, I was just going to answer that. You know, uh, we <laughs> right now are we're struggling with injuries at our tackle spot. Right, both yeah. of them. Yeah, so both who, of them. Who isn't? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. exactly. Right, you guys that's, lost lost yeah. one as well. Yeah, yeah. That's Baltimore situation for the last two three years, man. Just dealing with tackle injuries, and people don't realize how important the tackle is. But you know, when they go out, when you lose that starter, it make you really respect what they do and who they are. You exactly. Know, you can see the difference, and you can see the drop off while those guys. You're are not starters. kidding. I mean, it can change a game. It really can. It really can. Absolutely. You don't um, miss them until they're gone. You know? <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a bad relationship, right? <laughs> <laughs> toxic. It's just so toxic, fellas. It's so toxic. Yeah, once they're gone, all of a sudden you realize exactly how important they were to you and how much they meant to you. And, um, and you know, losing those tackles, man, your quarterback get a little bit more jittery, a little bit more happy feet. Once he started taking a, a shot or two from the back, 
You know, yep. now he, now he's looking over his shoulder every play. His game speeds up. Yeah, mm-hmm. real quick, real quick. Yeah, the the, uh, the game this weekend, I mean, is really intriguing in a lot of ways because you know Baltimore remembers that game from last year, and you guys usually do that to us. I mean, right. just out the physicality that's brought to the table every. I mean, we talked about it going into that football game last year that Baltimore always kicks our ass. And I mean, physically kicks our ass. So, you know, last week, last year's game, you know, was kind of the complete opposite. Now we know Harbaugh is going to have that team prepared, you know, Lamar prepared. I think that the receiving core is a little bit better. I mean, I I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but I think the receiving core this year is a little bit better than it was last year. Um, Duvernay had had a, had a really, really solid football game right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. You know, Bateman, um, Demarcus Robinson, who you got from Kansas City, right? He came over from Kansas City. Right. Yep. You know, I like the group. Obviously, the tight end, you know, Andrews is outstanding. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you've got a gr- good group there. Um, my question is in regard to the running game. Um, what's the situation with D- DK Dobbins? Is he playing this week? Is it going to be Drake and Davis? I mean, what is the situation in regard to that? Do you know? I don't know myself personally. Um, I'm not inside the you know the Ravens organization right now. And if I did, they right. wouldn't want me to tell you a thing. No, so of course not. <laughs> they don't want to know. They don't want to. They don't. Yeah. Right, they don't want to. I think. I think you just have to slow play it, man. When you got those knee injuries, like Ronnie Stanley, you know Dobbins, Gus Edwards, all those guys, man. When you got those type of injuries, you really have to slow play. I think they learned their lesson last year. You know, with Ronnie, you know, they yeah. played him and he ended up getting hurt again and. Those knees are so finicky, man. It's the weirdest thing. The, the wrong step, you step on somebody's foot, and all of a sudden it, it rips and tears everything all over again, just one mistake. So you got to make sure that they're really strong and they're ready to go and not rush those guys back. Once you make one mistake like that, you're going to be super cautious the next time, especially when it's somebody as important as Dobbins or Ronnie Stanley and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. um, I think they're going to play it by ear. They're not going to put those guys back until they go through practice well well, and they play practice a whole week and in pass and they're able to get hit. And they're going to slow play that and nurse it because they see how bad it was for them last season. Like even when they played the Dolphins last year, the Ravens was already licking their wounds. It was already beat up. Yeah, they probably, were beat up. And, yeah, and probably already feeling bad about themselves, like feeling that they lost their tackles, they they, they centered, you mm-hmm. know, they lost all their running backs by that time already. You know, so it was like they was already licking their wounds. Like, man, we, we, we going into this thing very limited. We don't have Nick Boyle, you know, so it's like, I think this year is a year of just trying to be patient. It really tests the coaches. And as players, we always want to come back because we feel that pressure. Sure. Mm-hmm. We feel that pressure. You know, every time you come in the, in the, in the training room and somebody crack a joke, like, man, you still in here? You know, mm-hmm. that, 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 that gives you that urge of really wanting to get back faster. And then somebody come in and say, man, I'm just checking on you. How you doing? And they come rubbing on your shoulder and shit. You start to feel like, bro, like, I feel like they, they act like, I, you know, I, I'm dying or something or something. Like, I got cancer or something here. I'm, I'm good. I just I got to get healthy and get back. You know, <laughs> I'm not dying yet. Like, I'm, I'm ready to get back on the field, you know. So, mm-hmm. it's just every time somebody talks to you about your injury, it's almost like they're trying to, like, they put their hand in their back and they're pushing you out there on the field. That's how it feels to us. You feel that pressure. You know, so that you, you think about it from when they got yeah, hurt last that's year. That's your job. <laughs> yeah, to now. Yeah, from last year to now, that's probably – a hundred thousand times somebody asks you how you how you doing how you feeling you know what's your injury like you know 
how you, you know, you're ready to run, you're ready to practice. You know, somebody will ask you a question almost every day for the last 365 days, man. So these guys really want to get back. They're anxious, you know. So the team themselves, I think, is putting the brakes on them right now versus the players are. Right. Well, how do you think Harbaugh is going to approach the Dolphin defense on Sunday? Uh, how do you think they're going to attack them offensively? It's the NFL, man. It's, it's only one way. You know, it's, you're going to attack, attack, attack. They're not going to sit back. They're not going to just take what you give them. The Ravens isn't that type of team. They're going to they're gonna run it right down your throat. They're going to force you to make mistakes, and then they're going to probably hit you. They're going to probably hit it with a little bit of tempo here and there, you know, and then they're going to be ready. You know, they're going to really be ready and prepared for this thing. Um, when you got tight ends like Isaiah Likely and Mark Andrews, you know, you're going to try to get those guys the ball. Likely haven't had a chance to put his stamp on the league yet, but people know about him. You know, oh, yeah. so yeah, he's so they a very got, good player. Yeah, so they're going to get the ball to those guys, and they're probably going to try to get them incorporated early in this game. And they're going to try to—they're probably going to go a lot of two tight end sets. Mm-hmm. You know, to try to, to try to get you off balance a little bit. They know that those guys are mismatches with your linebackers, and your safeties can't work with them either because they're too small. You know, so they know that. So they'll probably come in and, and probably go a lot of two tight end sets right off rip, two three tight end sets, mm-hmm. and then go at those guys a little bit to beat to beat them up to try to set the tone. We're going to play smash mouth football a little bit with our bags, and and you know they still got. Um, um, 42, you know, 42 is a man child. He plays D line and, and, and fullback and tight end, <laughs> you know. So, Patrick Ricard, Ricard, get, yeah, yeah, you get that yeah. big joker out there, you put him at that tight end, that extra <laughs> tight end, that fullback spot, and now you got a, another powerful blocker to kind of run up in there and fill some holes and plug some holes and piss some of your guys off a little bit and maybe frustrate them. <laughs> You yeah, know, he so, does everything. He catches, yeah, they, passes, runs the football. Yeah. Yeah, he's know, something else. Yeah. They, the Ravens definitely are going to try to set the tone with physicality. They won't let the Dolphins beat them up again. I can guarantee you that. What I saw on film, I know they saw too. So they're yep. not going to allow that, allow that to happen again. Agreed. Yeah, on the opposite side, I think we're going to see much of the same. I think. Um, Absolutely. You know, what, you, what you'll find, I mean, with Tua, you know, the, the thing that we, you know, that we look at and, you know, what New England did last week, you know, they had a lot of guys in the box and, um, you know, the running game struggles for that reason. Now, with two tackles out, it's going to be if they are, in fact, out. And I think they are going to be out, right, Mike? Is we that don't the know worst? for certain. We don't know yet. Yeah. So, you know, with that being said, you know, they... The Ravens, I'm assuming, are going to have a lot of guys in the box because we throw the ball short, you know, 90% of the time, and, you know, it, it just creates problems. So I think yeah. offensively we're going to struggle a little bit this week um, against that defense because they are very solid. Um, yeah. They're you know, very disciplined. They the are. Ra- the Ravens defense, I can tell you right now, like, they really trust their corners. Yep. You know, so a lot of times they, they won't have to bring eight, nine guys into the box you right. know, they'll play you with seven because they feel like they're so talented up front on the D-line and, and the linebacker core. Mm-hmm. They do a phenomenal job of, of talent evaluation, you know. So they're one of those teams that will send blitzes and stuff like that. They might send fire zone and safeties and corners and cap blitzes off the edge. Right. You know, they will do that. They kind of give you different wrinkles. And they know Tua is still a young quarterback. So they will mix that up. And they'll, send, they'll send multiple guys at them from different angles. They'll put 10 guys on the line of scrimmage and rush four. Mm-hmm. You know, and still yeah. get your quarterback. Sure. You know, yep. that's that's how good they are, man. And um, they play with your mind. They do all these mind tricks. The tight end don't know who to block. The tackles don't know who to block. You know, you, you always say big on big, you know, Bob, you know, big guys take the big guys, but then the big guys line up like they're coming and drop back in pass coverage. Mm-hmm. And now you don't, now the small guys don't blew by you by the time you had a chance to react. 
Yep. You know, so, I mean, it's Ravens are just really good at manipulating the situation and making you think they're going to do one thing and really do something polar opposite. You know, so they don't have to rush. They don't have to put eight, nine in the box to beat you, you know, on the run game because they're that good up front with Calais Campbell and company. Right. Got it. Got it. Campbell's fantastic. What a great guy, too. I mean, just an unbelievable guy. Uh, great player. Yeah, they, they, they're they, – we're going to have some issues this week, you know, offensively, I think, going up against that defense. There's no doubt about that. You know, it's just a matter of how well the defense plays. Um, you know, it's, going, it's, it's going to come down to, to – I think it's really going to come down to a mixture of two things, how well y'all able to play – y'all offense is, is, is able to play against all defense yep. and, how, and how well your special teams play this week. Right. You know, I really got, I mean, our defense to me has always been the key in Baltimore. And mm-hmm. now we finally got an offense to kind of match the defense. So the defense don't, don't have to be as vice grip as they used to be. Right. You know, so they can give up 21 points. Now, back in the day, we would never give up 21. 21 was like the <laughs> ultimate goal. Don't give up 21. And then the offense could get 21 and defense may score a touchdown or two. Yeah. You know, so nowadays it's like you, you, you really have to try to figure out a way to put as many points as you can on our defense so that you'll have a chance to stay in the game with our, with our offense. Right. Yeah, well, our, our offense needs to get to that point. I mean, I think you guys get there. We're still trying to get there, and, you know, that's the reason we brought in Hill and stuff. But, um, you know, we you know we, we still lack – you know, we'll see how the season progresses. But, you know, they brought in all the right pieces, so hopefully we get to that point. You know, last week against New England, I don't know if you watched that game at all, but, you know, the offense was a little bit subpar. You know, when the defense was absolutely dominant over and over again, you know, we had to rely on them once Mm -hmm. again. And, you know, that's been the situation. So we're hoping that going forward, you know, the offense does a little bit better job than what they have. Yeah, I I think they will. You know, Tua still is working to get comfortable with the receiving core that he has, and those guys are working to get comfortable with him. Mm-hmm. And um, anytime you lose O-linemen, you know, that really throws a, a really tough wrinkle into yes. what you're trying to build as an offense. And, you know, it's the best way to describe offense to me is if you ever watch the Olympics, it's like synchronized swimming. You see those ladies with their legs upside down, they're upside mm-hmm. down, the legs sticking up out of the water. Mm-hmm. And, and even though they can't see each other and what they're doing above the water, no, no, like if, if one person makes a mistake, it's so noticeable because everything is so timing and in sync and it's so perfect. And that's how offense is. You got 11 guys that have to be in sync. That's, that's got to be perfect. So anytime you take one of those starters out and you have to put a backup in and they might mess up a little bit, they leg maybe a little slower. You notice it on, on television watching it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how the play falls apart. You know, Don't you think they, defense is the same way? No, nah, defense is organized chaos. It's, um, <laughs> I mean, you can make a mistake 10 times on defense and still fall right into a tackle. Or, or just run through somebody and just, you know, I'm beating man on man. If I beat you, you know, anything could happen. You know, they could tip a ball at the line of scrimmage. Somebody right. picks it off. You know, offense could fumble a snap. You know, everything has to be perfect. You know, like if fumble a handoff, the handoffs have to be perfect. The, the balls have to be thrown perfect in a perfect spot. You know, but defense is just like, to me, just organized. Everybody on the same page, but it's chaos. You yeah, never right. know what's going to happen. Uh-huh. You know, it's all react- defense is all reaction-based. You know, yeah. off, offense is surgical. It's like going in with a doctor, with a team of doctors, and everybody know what this surgery is, and everybody know what we got to do to get this surgery to make it perfect to save this life. That's what offense is, and defense is just straight pure chaos. <laughs> so, what's your what's your prediction for the game, Daniel? 
Um, I'm always going to go with the Ravens, you know, so no matter what, I go with the Ravens every week. Um, I always <laughs> feel like they're, I feel like the Ravens never lose a game. I feel like they always, they beat always themselves. learn, they, they beat themselves, they put themselves in bad situations and they, and they try to learn from every single situation that they're in. They do a great job of practicing situational football. Uh, I just, I really, I praise their front office, probably because they recruited me and I was an undrafted guy, you know, <laughs> so I think they're the best front office in the world, but. Um, they are one of the better ones, there's no yeah, doubt about that. Yeah, George Kokanis and um, and Joe Ortiz, man, do a phenomenal job in the player department, the player mm-hmm. personnel department, and I mean, they're, they're, they're like goodwill hunting, where they just remember every single player they've ever seen, and listen, you know, George is, he's, he's weird, man, he's so, he's not weird, but he's so sharp he's just super smart guy he can remember a guy from 10 years ago that ended up in the cfl and he's still he's been there the whole time yeah, he still remembers him, yeah. the guy yeah he's seen the guy a hundred times so <laughs> um it's it's really it's a really unique situation in baltimore but um i always feel like the ravens have the upper hand you know because they got a quarterback like lamar jackson and if you guys have ever played with a quarterback that makes you feel like no matter what you, any game you're in that you got a chance to win i always think that team got the upper hand you know, so and Tua is Tua is getting there. I don't think he's there yet. You know, but um, he's getting to that point where those guys, are, I think, are starting to kind of trust him a little bit and believe in him. You know, at first it was more the front office believing in him, and I don't think the players were. You know, but I think the players are starting to kind of you know fall in line with him too as well. They're starting to see some things that they didn't they, they didn't know that he really could do. Well, the organization to, pivoted. Yeah. You yeah, know, they, they, they were they were looking, you know, at uh, Deshaun Watson and uh, at one point, yep, yep, Tom Brady possibly, and and you know that they just pivoted uh, when Flores came out with this thing. It kind of blew everything up. So, you know, it's, it was interesting, uh, very interesting. Mm-hmm. But uh, I I see the game being a really tough game for us right now, uh, yeah. especially on offense. I think they'll have trouble winning it. And, and you know, yeah. they played you guys last year at home, and this is the time it's on the road. And uh, we'll see. Uh, but I, I would think that uh, Baltimore will probably win it by at least a touchdown. Yeah, and Baltimore is a hard place to play. Like, people don't yeah. realize how, you know, hard it is to play at m and Bank and win. Like, their fans are phenomenal. They're super disciplined fans, man. They understand when to cheer and when to be quiet. And um, they're just an important piece of, you know, the energy that you get when you go to the city of Baltimore. Mm-hmm. You know, and the players pick up on that energy and they, they represent them very well. I, I think there's a lot of factors that, that go in um, Baltimore's favor, favor in this game. And, um, you know, the revenge factor, the home field advantage, um, you know, I think their, their receiving core is better. We've got a cornerback out that we had last year. We, you know, both of our corners played man-to-man on the guy's the whole game last year. Um, Needham's right. a solid football player, but he's not Jones. And, um, right. you know, I think they'll take advantage of that to some extent. Um, you know, so, yeah, I, I, I kind of like Baltimore in this one as well. You know, I mean, I just don't see our offense doing enough to to keep up with uh, the Raven offense in this one. So, yeah, I, I yeah. see it by 10 points, Mike. You know, probably Baltimore yeah. winning by maybe 10 points. In Could this happen. One. I mean, their defensive front is going to give our offensive line fits. Yeah, I'm going. To, I'm going to go probably Baltimore by at least 14, by at least two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's part of it's partly for me. I think Lamar Jackson is. I think he's kind of got pissed off a little bit with this contract thing, <laughs> yeah. you know. So I think he's every playing week, mad, right? Yeah, he's every mad. week. Yeah, every week he's going to show you why. You know, right. Why? Right. Why should have got a 250? You know, why should have been guaranteed? 
Yeah. Like I think every week he got something to prove. And he's always had something to prove every every you know, every game. And mm-hmm. that's why he plays that's why he plays like like a bat out of hell all the all the time. But um I think he's gonna show people this year that he could take the hits in the pocket. He could sit in the pocket and throw the ball all day. He could pick you apart. And um I think he got a, a, a very you know, people was was talking about the receiving core this, receiving core that all all off season. Then the receiving core steps up the first game and now it's like the running backs, running backs, you know. So yeah. it's it's you know, it's one of those things, man, where I just think he got something to prove and he gonna I think this is his year to go past the first round of the playoffs. If they can stay if they can figure out a way to stay healthy, they lost the cornerback this week too. Um Fuller, they lost Fuller, and um, yeah. I mean that's another guy, another guy that they expected to play a lot of reps for him this year. So, right. oh yeah, um, he's a good football player, you know. Right, right. You know, so I think he, I think if they can stay healthy, man, and the Ravens could come out of this game healthy and, and you know still with no injuries and stuff like that, or eliminate those Im- injuries, I think you're going to see a you know a really phenomenal, explosive type football game from the Ravens. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I mean. Th- there's a lot of similarities, you know, between the injuries, you know, the tackles, you know, we, we both have corners out. Um, you know, there's some, some good, I mean, Tyreek, you know, obviously and Waddle on the outside, I mean, you know, with a backup corner and, you know, they're going to try and take advantage of that, but you know, they've got a block, they've got to give two or a little bit of time to get the ball to these guys. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting. I mean, when you brought up the mismatches in, in regard to the tight ends, I mean, that that's a major plus. You know, your running game may not be there this week um, to some extent, but I think the tight ends being on the field um, are going to do a lot of damage and it's going to make up for, you know, maybe a lack of a running game. And, of course, Lamar can make up for that as well. Yeah, you the know, question running for out of us the is, is Roe going to be healthy? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Is we who, need- is, is who going to be healthy? Eric Rowe, he's a, he's one Eric of our Rowe. safeties. Yeah. Got you, got you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He tends to cover tight ends. Yeah, yeah. he is small though. Just like <laughs> just like Daniel said, you know, he's small. Yeah. I mean, to try and cover Andrews down the field. I mean, we've seen it, Mike. You know, in a lot of games to where Rowe's got fantastic coverage, but the guys are just too yep. big and too yep. strong yep. for him. You know, down the field. So no doubt. Yeah, that's usually what good tight ends do, though. Good tight yes. ends create create mismatches, and it's hard to put a linebacker on them because he usually don't run as well or got to breaks as well, yep. change direction as well. Mm-hmm. And then it's, it's hard to put a safety on them because they're usually undersized right. and not tall exactly. enough or long enough. And, they kind of box and, them out, right? Right. Same thing <laughs> yeah. with the corners, you know. So they can run better and faster and change direction, but they just can't out-physical them. They can go up over them and take the ball. On the subject of tight ends, and nobody better to ask than you, uh, what do you think of Mike Kosicki? Um, I, I haven't studied him enough to, to kind of give you an honest opinion on him. Okay. You know, so I would like to study him a little bit more before I kind of give you a real rundown on, on, a, on a guy like Mike. You know, but um, I'm always for the tight ends, man. You know, tight, to me, tight ends is the position that's kind of the forgotten about position a lot of times. Yes. You know, people are always worried about the guys on the outside edge. You know, my entire career, you know, I played receiver my entire college career and moved to tight end my last season, my senior year. So I, in my, at heart, I was still a receiver. Right. If, I seen, if I seen a receiver do a move at the line of scrimmage, I took that same move. If I didn't already have it in my bag of tricks, and mm-hmm. I studied that move, and I, did, I I was able to work that line, that same move at the three, in the three point stands. You know, that's what made me unique and made me special. I never stopped trying to be a receiver. I always wanted to catch the ball. I always wanted to make sure. plays. And um, the tight ends nowadays are all hybrids. To me, they all the type of tight ends I were. You know, I came in, I was an H back, and Billick was the first one to realize in four years that I was an H back. Mm-hmm. So that's how I was able to flourish in the city of Baltimore. Um, everybody else was put moving me from receiver to tight end to fullback to receiver to tight end to fullback. Didn't know where to play me. 
And when I got to Baltimore, Billy said, you're an H-back. And now every tight end in the league that's worth a darn is an H-back. Right. You know, right. Yep. Mark, and Mark Andrews is basically an H-back. You know, um, Likely is an H-back. You know, everybody is the same type of tight end that I was now. So, I mean, it's really cool to kind of watch the change and how the leagues have evolved into more of a passing league. Yep, the way the game evolves. Yeah. Yep. It kind of reverts back and forth all the time. Yeah, all but right, you, if you guys have me on again, man, I'll do some research on um, on the tight end down there, and I'll, I'll let you guys know more about what I think about him. For sure. All right. All righty. I appreciate you taking the time with us. Uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see you in the playoffs and we can do this again. You know? There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Love to. That, that'd be cool. We'd love to. All right. Thanks, Daniel. And uh, Lewis, thank you. Thank you for joining me this afternoon. Uh, sure. We'll be back next Monday to recap what happened during the game. And uh, until then, fins up, everybody. Fins up, Dolphins. Thanks again, Daniel. No doubt. Fins up, guys. Good luck this week, man. Thank you. Same to you. Come out on top. No problem. All right. That's today's show. I just want to remind everyone that the Fin Fans podcast is proud to be part of DolphinsTalk.com podcast network and the Pigskin podcast network. Check out these sites, guys. There's lots of podcasts and information there that you'll enjoy. All right. Until next time. Be well and take care. Sports Social Podcast Network.